Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a dark and twisted tale of crime, intrigue, disinformation, spies, bombs, and mobile phones. Each piece of the story has already made headlines, but if you only look at it in pieces, you might miss the bigger picture. So today, we're going to try to connect the dots. First, you've probably heard a lot about big cyber attacks recently, including hacks by both the Chinese and the Russians. But there have been so many of them, and they've hit so many targets, that in most people's minds, they probably all kind of run together. And you may be thinking, really? So what? Well, here's what. Remember the recent ransomware attack on the Colonial Pipeline? Gas stations all along the East Coast were shut down. There were long lines of anxious drivers, and some of them got so freaked out that they started hoarding gasoline in containers like plastic bags, which in one memorable instance actually blew up a guy's car. And that's just one of the big cyber incidents that's had a big impact over the past few months. Thousands of companies have been hacked over the past year, many through third-party software from providers including SolarWinds and Kaseya. There was also a major attack recently on Microsoft Exchange, which compromised email accounts all over the world. CBS News correspondent Ed O'Keefe. The White House is accusing the Chinese government of orchestrating one of the largest cyber hacks in history. The spring attack on the Microsoft Exchange email system hit tens of thousands of companies and gave the hackers, essentially Chinese spies, access to hundreds of thousands of email servers. Also this week, a new report from the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee shows a number of federal agencies are falling down in their efforts to keep Americans' sensitive online information secure. CBS News' Nicole Scania has more. The audit accuses eight critical agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, the State Department, and the Social Security Administration, of relying on an outdated system, ignoring mandatory security patches, and failing to protect sensitive data, such as names, date of birth, income, social security numbers, and credit card numbers. So why does this keep happening? Well, because hackers, either tolerated by or in some cases directly funded by our adversaries, including, but not limited to, Russia and China, are exploiting weaknesses in our computer operating systems, networks, and devices for lots of reasons. Sometimes it's for money. Sometimes it's to steal information like advanced technology and vaccines. And sometimes it's to spy on our government and get sensitive information. Like, for example, we found out last week from the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York. So President Biden directed Homeland Security and the Department of Commerce to develop new cybersecurity standards to help companies safeguard essential services like power, water, and transportation. CBS News correspondent Cammie McCormick. These new guidelines require owners and operators of critical pipelines to implement specific mitigation measures to protect against ransomware and other cyber attacks. This pertains especially to those transporting hazardous liquids and natural gas. And among the measures, it calls for reviews of the designs of those pipelines 
and their technology systems. And they're also playing offense. The State Department will offer rewards of up to $10 million for information leading to anyone engaged in foreign state-sanctioned cyber attacks against U.S. infrastructure, including ransomware attacks. The Biden administration is also launching a website, StopRansomware.com, to help businesses counter the threat. And the Treasury Department will work with companies to trace extortion money, which is paid in virtual currency. That's also in an effort to recoup some of that money. And in a speech at the National Counterterrorism Center, President Biden drove that point home. You know, we've seen how cyber threats, including ransomware attacks, increasingly are able to cause damage and disruption in the real world. I can't guarantee this, and you're as informed as I am. But I think it's more likely we're going to end up, as if we end up in a war, a real shooting war with a major power, it's going to be as a consequence of a cyber breach of great consequence. And it's increasing exponentially, the, the, the capabilities. When I was with Mr. Putin, who has a real problem, he is uh, He's sitting on top of an economy that has nuclear weapons and oil wells and nothing else. Nothing else. Their economy is, what, the eighth smallest in the world now? Largest in the world? He knows. He knows he's in real trouble, which makes him even more dangerous, in my view. Take a look at China. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping as a world leader than anyone else has. Spent 25 hours alone with him when I was vice president because it was important that, according to President Obama, that someone knew who the new guy coming on board was and it couldn't be the president. Travel 17,000 miles with him. I've sat with him, with me, and just an interpreter. Each of us have a simultaneous interpreter. He is deadly earnest about becoming the most powerful military force in the world as well as the largest and most prominent economy in the world by the mid-40s, 2040s. It's real. We also recently learned that it looks like China is building new nuclear missile silos. CBS News correspondent Ian Lee. The apparent expansion of China's nuclear capabilities has experts worried. They fear Beijing may not be committed to its minimum deterrence strategy. The evidence came from satellite images showing what looks like a new missile base in China's western Xinjiang province. A report by the Federation of American Scientists say the base includes 110 silos. And this is the second such field uncovered this month. In a neighboring province, researchers discovered an additional 120 silos under construction. China hasn't commented on the construction. The U.S. State Department told CNN the buildup is deeply concerning and it raises questions of Beijing's true intent. Now let's talk about online disinformation, both from foreign governments like the Russians and from homegrown agitators here in the U.S. on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. President Biden earlier this month actually directly accused Facebook of outright killing people by not more effectively blocking and removing lies from their platform that encourage people not to get vaccinated against COVID-19. 
former U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency Director Chris Krebs talked about it on Face the Nation. They don't actually have to do a whole lot because we've done so much here domestically to ourselves. But they get the seeds of division that they then amplify. They drive more activity. And ultimately what they're looking to do is undermine our confidence in the United States of America. But that's not all. The Washington Post did a major expose on military-grade spyware developed by an Israeli firm that's been linked to hacks on the phones of world leaders, activists, and journalists worldwide. It's called Pegasus, and it's so advanced that you don't even have to click on anything for your phone to be infected. And while its creators, a company called the NSO Group, reportedly designed it so it can't be used to spy on phones here in the U.S., it most certainly has been used to spy on the phones of American journalists working overseas, according to numerous published reports. I talked to the executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association and Foundation, Dan Shelley, about why that matters and what's at stake. Well, this is scary. It's alarming. It's unbelievably intrusive. It should be illegal. Just a a range of emotions come to me when I think and and reflect about this because supposedly our smartphones have multiple layers of security and are impenetrable from eavesdropping or malicious attacks. And to find out that we're all journalists and everybody, for that matter, are as vulnerable as we appear to be in light of these Pegasus reports, it's just frightening. You know, when I first heard about this, I was a little bit surprised at how sophisticated and widespread it was, but not really that it happened. Because about 10 years ago, when I was living in D.C. and doing some weekend news anchoring for NPR, my phone got hacked as well. Now, I'm not saying it was the same spyware. In fact, it couldn't have been, because I could tell my phone was acting weird, Like, for example, it was sending texts without my knowledge to Malaysia. But with this Pegasus spyware, the victims really, they have no idea that they got hacked. And they only found out after the press investigated. But the idea that our mobile phones that we take everywhere with us and which contain so much personal and business information are just so vulnerable to intrusion is really scary. And it can pose some real threats, not only to freedom of the press, but just freedom in general for everybody, right? Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, uh, all of us, particularly journalists and the sensitive work that we do in terms of speaking with uh, confidential sources, trying to get information that sometimes uh, can be sensitive. You know, this is a threat, not just to journalists, as the reporting surrounding the most recent Pegasus revelation suggests. It's not just journalists, but journalists should be very concerned. Journalists should be very worried at all levels. Uh, International journalists, uh, national journalists, local journalists, and for, for reasons that go beyond protecting confidential sources or doing reporting on sensitive subjects, but just on a personal level, personal information can be compromised. And it's up to the smartphone companies, it's up to, I would say, our government to protect its citizens, including journalists, from these surreptitious attacks that are occurring with apparently frightening regularity. Well, what was... 
interesting to me, and, you know, when you say clearly government has a role to play in this, I mean, the only people that really have access to this software, at least legally, are governments. So it's governments that are using it. Now, there weren't any reports that it was the U.S. government that was using it, but we don't know that they're not. Well, as you know, Pegasus claims that its software specifically blocks people from infecting phones with U.S. telephone numbers. But that's no source of comfort to me or should it be to anyone, because we know that there are all kinds of things going on with governments around the world, including the U.S. government, including in, uh, with regard to Pegasus, the Israeli government. You can't convince me that the Israeli government doesn't have some level of involvement in all of this. But nonetheless, we all just have to rethink how we use our phones, how we communicate in general. And when you add to all of this, the Havana syndrome cases that have been happening with increasing regularity on every continent on Earth except Antarctica, targeting mostly American citizens, mostly American intelligence workers and diplomats, but also some other American civilians. It's just amazing how sophisticated these kinds of attacks have become and how susceptible and vulnerable all of us are, including journalists. And just a note here for people listening who aren't familiar with what Dan is talking about. The Havana syndrome is an illness reported by many people, mostly U.S. government employees, some working overseas, some in Washington, D.C., that appears to be a brain injury. It's suspected to be caused by some sort of electronic device, like a microwave weapon. It all sounds very sci-fi, but it's completely real. And it causes the people who have been attacked to report some very serious and debilitating, sometimes long-lasting symptoms, like falling down, going numb, trouble controlling their legs, and difficulty forming words. Now, back to our interview with Dan Shelley. When I was thinking about having this conversation with you about the vulnerability of journalists, I mean, obviously you and I are concerned because this is our business, but people who are listening who are not journalists, they might be thinking to themselves, well, you know, so what? You're in the media. What does it matter to me? But the point that I was thinking is the reason why journalists do what we do is we're doing it on behalf of the public. And if they can do it to us, they can do it to anybody, right? Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, journalists may be the targets of some of these Pegasus attacks, and they are attacks, make no mistake about it. But the real victims here are members of the communities and members of the public whom those journalists serve. And it's so critical that journalists not be subjected to attacks such as this and invasions of privacy such as this, not because the journalists themselves may be harmed, although that's true and that's concerning and alarming, but because it will impede their ability on some levels, on many levels, to seek and report the truth on behalf of the public that they serve. Absolutely. And it it wasn't, of course, just the journalists. I mean, I saw that there were members of royal families. There was, I believe, the prime minister of France. There were other public officials in other countries. And so when you recognize that so many people in such high positions, let alone the journalists that are covering them, are so vulnerable to these attacks, the idea is that there is no privacy on these devices. I mean, clearly there's been spies since the dark ages, right? There's always been spies, but this takes it to a whole nother level. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just journalists and 
heads of state and people like that. There was a case very recently where a high-ranking official in the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops who was forced to resign because someone had managed to hack into his cell phone and reveal some very embarrassing personal information about him. So anyone is vulnerable. Everyone is vulnerable. And as it relates to journalists and journalism, again, those folks who in the journalism world who may be victims of these kinds of insidious attacks are not the true victims. The true victims are the members of the public. That was Dan Shelley. He's the executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association and Foundation. So now let's connect all those dots. Repeated cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, government agencies and U.S. businesses not doing enough to protect sensitive information, disinformation campaigns designed to foster distrust of our government, an increasing foreign nuclear arsenal, high-tech microwave weapons aimed at U.S. intelligence personnel, spyware and threats against journalists who can keep us all informed about what's going on. I think it paints a grim picture of a future that's less free, more unstable, and extremely dangerous. But on the plus side, if we can see it, maybe we can change it for the better. What do you think? Share your thoughts with us on our website, wakr.net. Look for this program, scroll down the page, and fill out our comments section. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.